Good evening, dummies. Episode 123. I apologize last night. I got busy at work and I was pulled in so many different directions. I did not have a chance to record. However, I did watch the Colorado Avalanche continue to creep up the Western Conference and pretty much dominate anyone they play. They're in a seven-game win streak. I think it's eight now. Uh, They are just absolutely manhandling teams, and uh, it's good to see. Finally, the Avs decided to get healthy, and that's what it's been all along. Anyway, we're not here to talk about hockey. What is Don't Unfriend Me? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I just want to go ahead and set some new rules if you're new to Don't, Don't Unfriend Me. There usually are no rules. I've said I won't ban anybody. You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You follow Facebook guidelines, and we'll all get along just fine. If you blatantly cuss and say racist things, Facebook will probably get you because you're going to get reported, but I'll probably kick you too. So just keep it somewhat civil. I don't mind you arguing. I don't mind you saying things about me, but just keep it civil. The second thing is if my wife gets involved, everyone knows her name. I mean, we talk about her on the show all the time, and you decide to go ahead and argue with her, great, argue away. If you are a complete jackass and decide to be rude, disrespectful, you're getting banned. The third thing, frequency of posting. If you post 27 things in two minutes, you're getting banned. I don't want to hear it. What are we on? Four? Four. If you troll. If you troll and go, ha, 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 and try just to get people's goats, guess what? Meh. You're banned. I'm just going to ban you because I don't have time for childish things. I don't have time for two-year-olds. I've got my own kids. I don't need you. So have a highly intellectual conversation. Try to keep it above brow. If it's too hard for you and you want to do nana nana boo boo, stick your head in doo doo, I get it. Just understand maybe once or twice. If you do it more than that, you're gone. And that's it, folks. We'll get along just fine. Six people have been banned so far. I checked the Don't Unfriend Me ban list. Only six. And I think most of you will agree that they deserve to go. And what's funny is it's tied. Three, three. Three Republicans and three Democrats. I've said it before and I will say it again. If you are looking for somebody who agrees with everything that Republicans do just because I'm a Republican, you're in the wrong place. I will bring perspective to both sides. And tonight we have a good show and we will talk about a couple things that have to do more with the Democratic side and what they're doing that's bothering me. And I think it's important to talk about. We're going to talk about the 20 things that you should be thinking about as an American. And these are extremely important, whether it be cancel culture, gun rights, civil rights, personal rights, bill of rights, any other rights that we can think of, and two lefts. We're going to be talking about it tonight. The next thing is we're going to talk about gun control. And we've talked about it before, but specifically what I predicted about a month and a half ago, and it was on a couple shows. I have to go and find it. Maybe one of my dummies can tell me which show it was. There was a couple where I predicted that once coronavirus started the trend I guess, southwards and started to get a little better. And when Joe Biden was office, like clockwork, shootings would start taking place again. Guess what? Here they are. So let's talk about that tonight. We're going to have that conversation. It should be an interesting one, and I hope you enjoy the show. A son asks his dad, Daddy, what is string theory? The dad replied, why are you asking me such difficult questions? Come on, ask me something easier. And the son says, oh, okay, so why does mommy get mad sometimes? String theory is a theoretical framework in which the point of particles of the particle fit. Recorded from an undisclosed location. 
always honest, always direct. So sit back, relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Well, I appreciate you being here, dummies. Thank you so much. And it is going to be a fun show tonight. Who am I and what do we do? Well, my name is Matthew. I am the host of Don't Unfriend Me. I created this basically to have some conversation. I understand that I'm not going to agree with everyone. You're not going to agree with me. We're going to argue a little bit, and that's fine. Just in the end, don't unfriend me. You will find that I am a conservative when it comes to fiscal responsibility, when it comes to the Constitution. I am a constitutionalist, I have libertarian views, and I also have some liberal views when it comes to social policy, but I think everyone's pretty much in the same boat. Basically, what it means is I'm a conservative who doesn't try to be a dick. That's what my goal is. Unfortunately, I don't reach that plateau very often, as I think you'll find tonight. Listen, we are going to have the conversation that we said just earlier, and we're going to talk about the 20 things that Americans need to know. And there's really no shortage of questions that Americans should be asking, especially right now in our government, in law, in the economy, with the pandemic, with financing, all of these things that we're facing. Where's the stock market going to be? And in this political climate, there are just hundreds and hundreds of things that we should be asking. But here are the top 20 as Dan Bongino put it earlier, and I'll expand on some of these ideas. Number one, why do the rest of us have to change everything we're doing because of a small percentage of the population is constantly offended by everything? We see this in the cancel culture. We see this in certain things that we can say and can't say. We see this in the who we can vote for and who we can't, which color hat we can wear and which color we can't, which shows we can watch, which books we can read. This has continued. And honestly, when you ask and and you would do a national poll, which I never see on any of the news channels or any of the newspapers, I wish they would do one. Who's actually offended by Dr. Seuss? Who's actually offended by Martha Stewart? Who's offended by Snoop Dogg, truly? And ask these questions. And I think what you'll find is that most people aren't and they don't care, except a very small percentage, probably the same percentage of people who think that the earth is flat and also think that 9-11 was an inside job. About 7% of the United States. Not enough to go ahead and formulate policy. Do you think printing more money with nothing to back it is a viable way to fix our country's financial problems? Number two, we have no more gold. There are no more silver notes. There are no more banks and vaults like Fort Knox that are housing gold bullion to go ahead and fund the U.S. economy. In fact, that fallacy has been gone for almost 100 years. Our country started out in horrible debt with our founding fathers, and it has not gotten any better since. The whole makeup of printing money at our whim simply to go ahead like it's a credit card is putting every single American in jeopardy, not only financially, but when it comes to a moral and ethical standpoint. If the government can't pay its bills, then why should I? And that is something that you hear more than anything, especially from the left. Number three, do you really think corporations are so virtuous and trustworthy that it makes sense to let them become dominant monopolies that have an inordinate amount of power over people's lives? And whether it's Facebook or whether it's Amazon, whether it's Twitter, you can see that the top 20 richest people in the United States and the world have been the same people for the last 40 years. It just changes hands 
And the reason why is with the ebbs and flows of dollars and cents, the new idea or new revenue stream is just being waited to is be, is be, is waiting to be conquered and created. But when you have billions in the bank, it is easy to acquire that. So these billionaires wait for great ideas, buy the company up, and then they reap the benefits for the next five or six years as they climb the tower of the richest people in the world. In history, how often have the people that have demanded we censor free speech and ban books turned out to be the good guys? Well, I can tell you, none. Whether it be the Nazis or the Romans or it be the Moors and the Saxons, Shiites and Sunnis, it doesn't matter. People who want to censor other people, including the Ku Klux Klan, including BLM, skinheads, Antifa, none of them are on the right side of history, and they never will be. The reason why is the only way to have a free society is to truly make it free. And yes, you need laws and you need rules, but that is not censorship. Those are things that are governed and agreed upon by the masses. And our laws are written, and they have pretty much not changed. The largest change we've seen in our laws over the last 200 years is about drug use. That's about it. Capital punishment, if you steal something, if you cheat on your wife, if you get a divorce, most of these laws have been set. The biggest changes in the U.S. justice system has been penalty for drug use, distribution, trafficking, et cetera, et cetera. The whole point of a free society is to keep it free. And the only way to do that is to have laws, which is something we seem not to care about anymore. If Facebook and Twitter disappeared from the earth tomorrow, would the country be a better or worse off place? Well, it depends. Can the U.S. Postal Service get off their ass and actually start delivering letters? We can get a shipment. We can get a brand new bike delivered the next day, but we can't get a letter that weighs nothing short of two ounces across the U.S. We can't just throw it on one of those planes. Why can't they put it on the same plane that my bike is on? It's interesting. Maybe it's time to privatize the U.S. Postal Service. Who knows? But the question is, would we be better off? And I think the answer is yes and no. I think that we are so far detached that any further detachment, we will absolutely realize that we do not need other human beings to survive. The question is, is what's the quality of life that we will have when we don't need other human beings to survive? Will it be better? Will it be worse? And I think the pandemic absolutely showed that. Depression's at an all-time high. Binge eating, child abuse, all of these things, my allergies, geez, are all exemplified and exponentially higher during the pandemic. Number six, your personal share of the national debt is 64114 and rising. Do you feel like you've gotten your money's worth? Now, I want to make sure we understand that. That is for taxpayers. It's closer to 157000 for the people who actually pay the taxes. So it's a nice little number when you divide it by $327 million, but when you actually do it by people who work and pay taxes, the debt is much more than that. Are you getting your money's worth? How are your roads? How do you feel about school? How do you feel about the school shootings that ultimately will start taking place yet again, like I predicted, that it would happen right when the pandemic started winding down? And we're going to talk about that tonight. Everyone seems to start with the assumption that the more people that vote, the better off we are. Why do we want people that don't pay income taxes and don't know much about politics and don't feel passionate about the issues to vote? If you don't know who the vice president is, are, uh, 
are, are a criminal or a voting for whoever you will give you the most goody, goodies or you're choosing whom you're voting for based on which candidate is best looking or tallest, we'd be better off if you didn't vote. This is like people who gamble on football. And they go ahead and say, well, what, what do you look at? Do you look at the spread? Do you look at the size of the players? Do you look at their overall win record? Do you look at their home and away record? No, no, I look at their uniforms and I find out which one I like best and I gamble. And these are the people that win millions of dollars. But most of the time, that isn't true. In fact, they lose and they lose bad because on a long enough timeline, if you gamble based on something that's nonsensical, you will get a nonsensical result. And nothing is more true than sitting at a blackjack table. And when you are up 140% on what you put down, you should get up and walk away. But that's not what happens. We stay and we wind up wasting our money and digging deeper into our pockets, which is what is happening when you are voting for idiot people based upon their looks or if they are a black female and make her a vice president. Are, or if they are a comfortable white old guy that seems familiar, like every other old white guy that we've had, just not Donald Trump. Number eight, if the FBI is asking for help identifying people that invaded the Capitol building during the riots, why are they not trying to identify rioters that invaded courthouses, police stations, and government buildings in the other parts of the country? It is a fantastic question. Why? Well, because you have Congress who is actually pushing for this. You have pressure from them to actually investigate this because the constituents did their job. According to the Democrats, the BLM and everyone else got Joe Biden in office. The unrest that we had most assuredly impacted the turnout with vote. And coronavirus did the same thing. But if you think that the Democrats aren't happier than pigs and shit because BLM burned down cities in all 50 states, you're insane. That's exactly what they want because unrest ultimately was the second biggest issue that got Donald Trump ousted. Besides, sorry, besides another 30 million ballots that showed up because they changed the rules in the middle. I wanted to make sure I took care of the people who are still pissed off about that. If you're unhappy and you know it, clap your hands. If I file a lawsuit against you and win, shouldn't I have to pay your legal fees since the court decided I did nothing wrong? Isn't that an interesting thing? But that's not what happens, is it? We have bankrupted political fat cats. We have bankrupted businesses. Businesses right now were unjustly shut down and they are closing at a rapid clip. What is the reciprocity for them? What does their restitution look like? What are the laws that protect them? Because nobody is helping them. In fact, I'm still waiting for my stimulus check, even though my pay went down about 86% last year and then climbed back up. Where's my money? Well, the reason why is because I don't fit the narrative. I don't fit the qualified people who deserve it more than I do. Basically, illegals and people who aren't working. That's who's getting the money first. Then the rest of us chumps will be taken care of. But unfortunately, the small businesses are still waiting and they haven't received anything to help them. Just a small stimulus at the beginning and the end of the year. But there is a whole lot of middle there that's not being taken care of. Women, number 10, file for nearly 70% of the divorces in America. If we made joint custody, the default got rid of alimony and didn't allow for child support unless the parents decided against joint custody. Do you think the divorce rate would go up or go down? 
I think people should look at how many people file for divorce, and it is extremely one-sided. Now, I will also agree that there are some extenuating circumstances, spousal abuse, infidelity, all of these things play a part, which are why women probably have a higher divorce rate. But it's also because it's all in the woman's favor, and let's be transparent. So there's two sides of the argument. I just defended both. And for the people who say that I need to pick a side, that's why I don't, because both arguments are extremely valid. But it doesn't mean they're mutually exclusive to a good point. They both are. The whole point is this, is that if you don't get to see your kids, you have to pay alimony, you have to pay child support, and then you have to watch your wife rail the new boyfriend. Unfortunately, it is also a big stick up the proverbial butt of every male in America. Maybe we should make it a little more fair. Maybe if equality is truly equality, we should stop talking about alimony. Because it's interesting. We want alimony, but we want to go out and have careers. Well, if you have a career, why do you need alimony? Oh, because I have to raise the kids. Great, then let's do joint custody. Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. Interesting. Whole other conversation that maybe we should have. Number 11, if we made guns illegal, then wouldn't it be much more likely to turn tens of millions of law-abiding Americans into criminals than to convince criminals who already illegally own guns to give them up? That point stands alone by itself. It's fantastic, and I don't need to touch it because we're going to talk about it in the next segment. Number 12, if illegal aliens, Antifa, and Black Lives Matter are allowed to break the law with impunity, why should other Americans respect the law? Why not us break the law? If you can get away with it, as others are allowed to do, well, the reason why is because when we do decide to go ahead and storm the Capitol, that's 98.5% peaceful. You're called insurrectionists, and you're going to be facing lifetime in prison. That's why. It's a double standard. In a country where you have an almost infinite number of musical, culinary, and product choices, why are lawmakers centralizing so much power in D.C. instead of centering it in the states so that people can get the government they want the way they want it? Almost Burger King. There's a, there's a wonderful saying in the Washington, D.C. area, Maryland and Virginia, is that we are recession-proof, and it is true. The money is here, even when the money is nowhere else. There is so much capital in the nation's capital. It is corrupt, and it is the swamp, and there are hundreds of millions of dollars that change hands a second in this area. It is most assuredly recession-proof, but the problem is, is that it is growing and expanding. Regulation is taking over, and it is a cesspool that's impacting the surrounding states. Virginia has, West Virginia has pretty much posted the National Guard on their border and said, nobody's coming in. We're not having liberals come into our state. We're keeping it Republican. But just ask Virginia and Maryland, who have had an absolute culture shift in their political climate over the last 20 years with the influx of liberals expanding from Washington, D.C., as the swamp infects everything it touches. Number 14, if it's fine to let people uh, be born as males that have decided they're female play sports because there's really no biological difference between women and men, then why do we need women's sports in the first place? Why not let men and women compete against each other in every sport? And I'm all for it. I can't wait to see a heavyweight boxer take on a, a woman of equal size and proportion. And essentially, if she was to be that, she would have to be obese and fat. That fight would last about two seconds. We can't keep sitting here and saying that men and women are alike. They most assuredly are not. I've had this conversation. I've made this point a whole bunch. And if I will take this a step further, if it is absolutely true that men and women are equal and they need to play together in sports and we want to absolve and completely just take away alimony and child support and make divorce 
equal amongst both parties, then we should then take away the selective service draft. And women should be able to be drafted into war, that war that's most assuredly going to be with either Iran or China or anywhere else that turns into a world world war, and we will activate the draft. Women should be able to be drafted too. If we want full equality, then you should carry the bags of groceries in, and I will do more dishes. Let's go ahead and you climb the ladder and go up on the roof and break your neck, which actually kills more men than actually women killing men for who they are. Maybe we could call it equal, but it's not, and it doesn't stop with sports. But if we're going to say that, then let's get rid of the absolute crappy WNBA, which is forced down our throat every single year and that no human being watches because it's crap. If I wanted to watch people for three hours try to make a basket, I would literally watch the Craft Channel. That is the only basket making that actually is happening because the WNBA shooting percentage is lower than IQs of most Americans. Number 15, from 1969 to 2019, the cost of a college education jumped an incredible 3,009% in a world where the best college professors in America conceivably teach thousands of students at once online. How does that make sense? Shouldn't the cost of government-run colleges be dramatically decreasing? Well, the answer is no. This is why attendance you're still going to have the 10% of the state that's going to want to go to the state college or the university, and that is why it is literally like the prison system. More and more colleges pop up that are brick and mortar, but it's like a reverse Circuit City and Best Buy ideology. These massive conglomerate campuses that can house tens of thousands of students pop up like the prison system, and they make money for doing it because they can charge whatever they want. When you go ahead and associate yourself as an Ivy League school or a school of business or a school of this or a school of that or an extension of Stanford or CU, you can go ahead and charge whatever you want, and that's what's happening. It's a monopoly. If you go to Denver University and look at CU, there's like 12 different campuses of the University of Colorado all over, including Fort Collins and Denver and Boulder. What happened in Boulder was an absolute travesty, and we'll talk about that. Number 16, if gun sales are continuously reaching all-time high and as many as 50% of Americans in some areas are ready to secede, shouldn't that be prompting some serious discussions about what's going wrong in the country, why so many people are alienated, and what we can do to keep the country together? But this conversation isn't happening. The conversation truly is, is that California and the left coast and the, the, the left coast and the right coast want to break off from the union. We know this. They want to create their own Shangri-La of socialism and their own form of government. It's been said, and I'm not saying Texas hasn't threatened it as well. The only difference is, is Texas is in batshit crazy. That's one of the only places that's somewhat free remaining. Number 17, if you don't pay income tax, why should you be able to vote for politicians who decide what we'll be doing with some of those income taxes? And I completely agree. I have said many times on my show that I want an educated voter that I want stupid people to stay home. I want the six people who I've banned from my page never to vote again. I think you should do something, anything other than voting. Please, for the love of God, let us all off the hook. 18, should your tax dollars be allowed to go to a school where they discriminate against people with your political or religious views? Shouldn't your representatives be demanding that schools be politically unbiased if they want public funds? Considering that these institutions are state and federally run, yes. It is the separation of church and state. And if you're not going to allow the national anthem or the Pledge of Allegiance or God to be talked about in schools, then we can't talk about political ideology either. 
We can't talk about white privilege. We can't talk about a racial bias, unconscious bias, toxic masculinity. If you can't talk about A, you certainly can't talk about B. And that's the way it should be, and there needs to be regulation. 19, how would making millions of poor, uneducated, illegal immigrants that do manual labor legal citizens benefit Americans? If having a surplus of poor manual laborers made a country economically successful, wouldn't all the countries they're coming from already be wealthy? I think that is a straw man argument just a bit. There are jobs in the United States that most assuredly nobody wants. That's why we will never have an unemployment that's below 3 or 4%, because there are still jobs that nobody wants to do. But that's not the point. The point is, is when you bring in low-income earners, a million to two million a year legally, and all the influx illegally, people who are not paying taxes, people who are not contributing to the GNP, people who are being paid under the table, that doesn't help America. It lowers our earnings potential. And the most important thing is on the timeline, you want an upward scale. You want a hockey stick of productivity with your populace. If they will never reach a higher clip because they cannot receive the benefits that normal Americans have who are here legally or who are higher educated or have been through that process since they came out of the womb, you will be behind the eight ball with the rest of the people here and most assuredly create a larger lower to middle class gap. And that is why you don't do it. Number 20, there is a fantastic quote Offlin falsely contributed to Voltaire that goes, to learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. Who are those people? Are they the people you're told are privileged? If not, are they really privileged? Or are they the people who you are told are victims? If you aren't supposed to criticize them for doing the wrong thing, are they really victims? And I want to be completely transparent. That is on both sides. And the last four days have shown me that. We have some very entitled Republicans out there. We have some very entitled Democrats. I'm not asking you to be holier than now. I'm not asking you to attempt to be what I portray myself to be. But I will say that I am open-minded. And I will listen to people's arguments as long as it's factual and not based just on emotion. There is a very large epidemic in this country on the left and leftist ideology that needs to be snuffed out of America. But there is also an alt-right fascist belief that is inside the so-called Republican Party, which are the Tea Partiers who branched off, the three percenters, the QAnoners. Those people are just as dangerous as leftists. And you can say whatever you want. You can come on my show and call me a neocon or a rhino. It doesn't matter. You're dangerous. Your beliefs don't work. And they have killed millions of people on this planet. You don't get air. And you don't get to say anything in this vacuum because your opinion is useless. Your opinion is unfounded. And most importantly, I don't want to freaking hear it. Gun control. Of course, it was going to come up. Two major shootings in as many weeks. I said this was going to happen. We knew the pandemic was going to go ahead and start winding down. And when it did, the new story would be mass shootings, even though we did have shootings that happened during the pandemic. And anyone who thinks that we didn't are crazy. They didn't go on hold for nine to 10 months. They still continued. But now we have Democrats in office. And just like with President Obama, they will be what's on the news because it's sexy and it sells papers. We're being sold that Asian Americans hate is on the rise. Why? Because BLM has done a lot of publicity issues with their brand. And a lot of people are sick to death of BLM, including a lot of the BLM because of the the Antifa tribe that has infiltrated BLM. With the damage that they did to cities, their fundraising is at an all-time low. And the whole thing 
is no longer sexy and Americans are bored with it, which is what they always do. That's why we never change anything, because it's a hot topic for a little bit of time, and then we put it on the back burner. Prime example, ALS. Enough said. So what are we doing now? Asians are being singled out, even though the numbers don't prove that. 47 more cases over last year. I did that on my last episode. You can get that right here. I will link it on YouTube. But if we think about this honestly, and we're completely truthful truthful with each other, we know what this is. This is simply the media shift. It's time to come after guns. A hearing on gun reform measures in the Senate Judiciary Committee on Tuesday morning turned out not ex- uh, turned not unexpectedly tense. It came one day after 10 people, including a police officer, were killed when a gunman opened fire in a grocery store in Boulder, Colorado. They have a lot of history in Boulder, Colorado. My dad played for the Buffaloes. I spent a lot of time up there. My brother lived there. I partied up there. It is a wonderful place. And I am so sad for the people there. I'm not going to say thoughts and prayers. Uh, honestly, what good is it going to do? But I'll tell you, I'm sick to my freaking stomach and I can't stand it. Let me tell you what brought this on today. My daughter comes home and she's like, dad and my son. And they both say, listen, we're doing active shooter drills at school. And I said, well, what are they teaching you? And they explained to me that they're all getting into a group and they're staying in the classroom and locking and securing the doors. And I said, okay, what else? She goes, well, we have to stay six feet apart. I said, what do you mean? Well, due to COVID. I said, you're practicing for an active shooter with a person who probably has a high-powered, high-capacity magazine rifle that travels anywhere from 27 to 3,200 feet per second that has the ability really to blow you apart. And we're talking about six feet of spacing. Yes, I said exactly that to my daughter. Why? Why would I say that? Well, because I saw the pictures of Sandy Hook. I saw what happened in Aurora. I saw what happened at Columbine. These are all things that I have been involved in because I was in the proximity. I wasn't there. I lived in the state. And let me tell you, it's horrific. And there's only so many photographs you can see of a dead teacher protecting kids. It won't work. The Israelis teach their schools to do one thing. If there's a shooter and there's somebody coming into the schools who are causing harm to those kids or teachers, every single person arms themselves, not with guns, with sharpened pencils, with steel rulers, with legs of tables, with scissors, and anything else you could possibly imagine. When that drill happens, they line up on the entryway door to the left and to the right equally. And these are small kids too, not big, five years old, six years old, seven years old. And one of them is nothing. But when all of them at a rapid clip attack together on one target and have instructions to grab the weapon and to stab and to kick and to punch and to claw, they have much better odds than sitting in a lumped mass, excuse me, six feet apart waiting for their time to die. Now, I'm not saying that schools should open up their doors. They should stay hunkered down, but they should be prepared that once that door is encroached, that it's an all-out war. I have instructed my son and my daughter to say just that, to not sit there and wait if this ever happens, to be smart, to recognize what gunfire sounds in an enclosed building, to recognize where it's coming from and how close and how far it is. And then God forbid that I'm not there or there's not an officer there, that they at least have a fighting chance to survive because we can't have another Sandy Hook. But this is what they're teaching us kids. 
This is what they're teaching our kids is to stay six feet apart with an active shooter. I'm sorry. It is the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my life, and you should be absolutely outraged as I am. Teach your kids how to defend themselves. Teach them situational awareness. And yes, it's not a beautiful thing to talk about. But guess what? My parents talked to me about Richard Ramirez, the night stalker that was literally heading to Ventura. And we were scared. They told us about the boogeyman and told us to be careful with talking to strangers and never talk to strangers or get into a car. We were warned about razor blades and apples. We were warned about sexual predators and to show us on the doll where they touched us. We talked about the same things with us. It's just more tragic. It's just the scary time now. It doesn't mean you hold and reserve it from your children. They need to know because the last thing that they may remember is that they have no idea what to do. This suspect was identified as a 21-year-old. Ahmad al-Awi al-Assad is in custody and charged with 10 counts of murder in the first degree. Authorities have not shared information on a possible motive for the shooting, which itself came just days after eight people, mostly Asian women, were shot and killed at three spas in Atlanta area. At Tuesday's hearing, Texas Senator Ted Cruz vented over the flurry of legislative activity again following a mass shooting. He declared that every time there is a shooting, the Senate engages in ridiculous theater. First, Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal accused Republicans of having no tangible solution to gun violence. Well, I will accuse Richard Blumenthal of stolen valor, as he said he was in Vietnam, and he wasn't. This man has absolutely no right to represent anyone when he can't even represent himself. He said he was in Vietnam. He's a liar and he's a scumbag and he doesn't deserve any pulpit to speak to any American. Thoughts and prayers are not enough, Blumenthal said, and yet thoughts and prayers is all we have heard from my colleagues on the other side. Thoughts and prayers must lead to action. I want to be clear why I didn't say thoughts and prayers, and it's not because I would offend somebody. My belief in God isn't strong enough to say thoughts and prayers. My thoughts are there. And I love everybody who has not damaged me or hurt me or done wrong or ill of me. But I don't care. I would not wish this on my worst enemy. I have not watched a movie in a theater, not because of a pandemic, but because I am constantly checking the exits and the entryway. And I carry every time I'm in a theater. And the reason why is because I have to protect my family. I do the same thing when I'm driving. I do it when I'm in restaurants, and I never have a moment's peace outside my door. We have to understand that these things are difficult, and they're hard to talk about. But what the Democrats do is simply political theater to take guns. This brought pushback from Cruz, a Republican. He says, I agree, it is time for us to do something. And every time there's a shooting, we play this ridiculous theater. He said, I don't apologize for thoughts or prayers. I will lift up in prayer people who are hurting, and I believe in the power of prayer and the contempt of Democrats for prayers is an odd sociological thing, which it absolutely is, who would not allow a prayer prayer for Rush Limbaugh on the Senate floor. But we have prayed for many, many people other than Rush Limbaugh on the floor on both sides of the aisle. There is nothing wrong with prayer. And if that makes you feel better, then do so. And nobody should question it. It is a noble gesture. At least people are being considerate and thinking of others. Wouldn't that be great if we had more of that today and maybe we could stop more of these bastards who are coming in and killing innocent people? 
But he said, we already know this pattern is predictable over and over and over again. Senator Chuck Grassley, the top Republican on the Judiciary Committee, said part of the problem is police funding. In the aftermath of the reckoning with race and mass protests over the death of George Floyd last year, some lawmakers and police critics pushed to defund police or shift resources from them to other entities and agencies that could help undertake some community programs. We cannot reduce violence in our communities without a professional, well-trained, and fully funded police force, said the Iowa lawmaker. The hearing had been scheduled for the Colorado sh- uh, before the Colorado shooting. President Joe Biden and the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Tuesday called for action. Biden urged the Senate to immediately pass two House-passed gun reforms, including a universal background check and an assault weapons ban. There is no such thing as an assault weapon. Oh, forget it. I'm done. And according to Fox News, White House spokesman Jen Psaki said Biden is also weighing executive action on a gun control as another way to go. We are considering a range of levers, including working through legislation, including executive action. So basically executive action. Saki told reporters without elaboration, according to the Fox report, that has been under discussion and will continue to be under discussion uh, for some time. Pelosi in a press conference said action is needed now to prevent this scourge from continuing to ravage our communities. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer vowed Tuesday morning to bring the Senate floor legislation passed by the House that will require background checks for most gun sales and transfers. He said the Senate must confront a devastating truth after a lack of action by lawmakers on the issue for almost three decades. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common sense steps that will save lives in the future, Biden said in remarks from the White House. The Senate should immediately pass, let me say it again, the United States Senate, I hope some are listening, should immediately pass the two House passed bills that close loopholes and background check systems. These are bills that received votes with both Republicans and Democrats in the House. This is not and should not be a partisan issue. This is an American issue. It will save lives. American lives. We have to act. He added. We all know the script. A mass public shooting occurs. Grief and anger ensue. Calls for stricter gun laws soon follow. Given how incredibly upsetting these crimes are and how deeply they shake their communities. And the nation itself, such calls are perfectly understandable. If we're truly serious, however, about reducing gun violence rates and increasing personal safety, we must ensure that policy decisions are made with an eye toward facts and reality, not panic and outrage. In conclusion, the facts tell us that most commonly proposed gun control measures are already ineffective at preventing mass public shootings in states where they are currently implemented, and that they will continue to be ineffective at preventing future tragedies. Although some gun control advocates claim there have been more than 300 mass shootings this year, that number is a product of using deceptive and largely meaningless definitions that include incidents far removed from the context commonly associated with the term. Since January 1, 2018, there have been 11 mass public shootings in which three or more people other than the shooter were killed. Parameters derived from Congress's definitions of mass shootings and mass killing. These 11 mass public shootings occurred across seven different states, but three occurred in California, the only state with an A rating from the Giffords Law Center to prevent gun violence. Two more occurred in Maryland with an A- rating. Another two occurred in Pennsylvania, whose C rating still accounts for the 13th strictest gun control framework in the country. 
Strict gun control may be the go-to response of many, but it's simply not the answer to the problem of mass public shootings. In fact, since 2000, 17% of mass public shootings have occurred in California, even though the state accounts for only 12% of the nation's population. Texas, meanwhile, has an F gun control rating. Go Texas. Yet has seen only 6.6% of total mass public shootings since 2000, below its expected share, given that it holds 8.6% of the national population. On the other hand, Washington State, with a B rating, accounts for 2.2% of the population, but 8% of mass public shootings since 2000. More importantly, the general availability of guns doesn't appear to be the problem. Since 1990, the number of firearms per capita in the U.S. has increased by 50%. At the same time, however, the national homicide rate and national gun homicide rates have plummeted by 50%, and the number of non-fatal firearm crimes committed in 2011 was one-sixth the number committed in 1993. On the whole, the increasing availability of firearms has not been related to increases in violent crime. Mass public shootings rightly terrify us, but they... (coughs) Woo! First time I've ever done a sneeze on the show. Will there be a second? No. But they remain statistically very rare. The same is true of firearm deaths related to the use of semi-automatic assault weapons. They're not assault weapons. They're not assault rifles. AR stands for Armalite Rifle. It's the company who makes it. Semi-automatic weapons are anything but a blunderbuss, a pump-action shotgun, a uh, a flintlock. I can't even think. Oh, single bolt-action rifle, a double stack. That's about it, folks. A, a cannon. <laughs> Everything else, you pull the trigger and a bullet goes, is semi-automatic. When they say they want to ban semi-automatic weapons, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. You are, in fact, three times more likely to be beaten to death with hands and feet than you are to be shot to death with a rifle of any kind. That does not mean we should not continue to find ways to remove firearms from the hands of individuals who show themselves by their actions to be a heightened risk of violence to themselves or others. It does mean, however, that rational gun policies should not demonize particular types of firearms rarely used by criminals, but commonly used by millions of law-abiding citizens for a variety of lawful reasons, including self-defense. We do not effectively combat gun violence by broadly restricting the rights of law-abiding citizens, thereby hindering their ability to defend themselves and others from violence, which it is actually a stat that over 600,000 crimes are prevented because of individual handgun use. Those aren't all murder, but we're talking home invasion, mugging, carjacking, etc., etc., We're also talking about that boyfriend who wants to come in and beat the living snot out of the kids and the the girlfriend, but also he knows that she has a firearm at home and decides not to go. If there is no threat, if there is no deterrence, you're asking for more crime. Folks, my allergies are killing me. I'm sorry. Rather, we must focus more intently on the major underlying causes of the gun violence, untreated mental health, problems that increase the risk of suicide and interpersonal violence. The, the most deaths that actually occur are from suicide. Out of the 60,000 gun deaths that you see a year, almost 40,000 are attributed to suicide. Some are also attributed to 
interpersonal violence, gang and drug activity that drive illegal black market firearm transfers and the lack of economic and educational opportunities that lead to the cycles of poverty and crime. We must also increase the ability of law-abiding citizens to choose where and how with what means to best defend themselves and their families from criminals who do not care or follow laws generally and gun control laws in particular. To put a nice little bow on this, it comes down to this. If more regulation is what was needed, then we would have a drug problem in the United States today. Criminals don't follow laws. The other thing is that we talked about equality at the beginning of this show, and I think it's important to bring it back again. My wife is about 130 pounds soaking wet. She's a beautiful Latina woman, and I love her to death. But let me tell you, even a man who's five foot six would absolutely pummel her into oblivion. That weapon that she has makes them not equal. It makes her superior. And when she puts a three-inch grouping, two center mass, and one in the head, trust me, there's no more equality than better than that. Guns are scary in the hands of bad people. And what's better than that? Good people having guns to counteract. Now, there have been plenty of shootings where someone's been armed and they have not been properly trained. That is a most assured fact. And yes, not all concealed carries interact and try to stop gun violence, and sometimes they do more harm than good. But that is because we do not train them properly. Every single American should have the right to carry if they want to in all 50 states, and they should be absolutely held accountable to a yearly training to ensure that they know what to do in an active shooter situation. I do. I train for it. And guess what? I may not stop an active shooter, but I'll tell you what I will do. I will not die on my knees. Folks, that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed the show. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Please do me a favor. Give me a like, share, and subscribe. I forgot to say that at the beginning of the show. I forgot to put up my call letters. I will add it and post. But what I will talk about now and can add right now is Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. 22 veterans commit suicide a day. It is way too many. Please take the time to recognize, call them, reach out, see how they're doing, especially now with COVID. It's a crazy time. Traumatic brain injury, PTS, stress, anxiety, depression, all of these things play a part. Have that conversation. If you can't, call me. I'll do it with you. And if that doesn't work, you can give them the address of donunfriendly.com. Click on the VCL link, and they will be connected to an operator right away. Once again, the website's growing. It's doing pretty well. I would appreciate it if you wouldn't mind stopping by donunfriendly.com. Saying hi, leaving a message, leaving a comment, and all that jazz. Folks, I will see you tomorrow for episode 124. Go Abs. Let's have a great night tonight, and I will see you tomorrow.